Good evening, Hampton Roads and Northeastern North Carolina. Welcome to tonight's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. You're tuned into WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. I am your host, Bishop Hodges. This is the broadcast where we break down and discuss the dynamics of marriage and family relationships, reminding you that God designed and instituted marriage and the family to build society on. Unfortunately, sin entered the picture and warped God's original design. The mission of Marriage and Family Clinic is to restore, build, strengthen, and perfect marriage and family relationships. Why is that? Because your joy, your peace, your victory, your success, they're all dependent upon how you manage relationships in your life. Your most important relationship, of course, is the relationship that you have with God. And success in that relationship means worshiping and submitting to God in all things. And after your relationship with God, your marriage and family relationships are absolutely critical. You know, we, we began this broadcast, as we do every broadcast, playing that song, uh, Moving Forward. And I was just sitting here thinking about that, listening to it, and how important it is to get up from wherever we are, from wherever we find ourselves, whatever stuck point we may be in. We're going to have to determine in our minds and in our hearts that we're going to move forward. You can't stay here. Why sit there and die and do nothing? Even if you're hurting in your relationships tonight, you can move forward marriage and family clinic we're here to give you a strategy to help you obtain the tools acquire the strategy that you need to move forward i just wanted to throw that out there tonight because so many times in life we just get stuck in a rut we feel stuck we can't seem to see the light of day but i'm here to tell you that you can move forward this is marriage and family clinic and I want to begin tonight also by saying that I hope everyone listening got out and cast their vote on today. Uh, this was a critical day, and, and much is on the line today. Uh, and you can make the difference with your vote. We all need to lend our voices to the debate. And the way that you lend your voice to the debate is with your vote. So often we hear speeches on change, and many of us need change in our lives, and we look for change, we desire change, politicians run on change. Well, change begins at the voting booth, and if you won't vote, you're not serious about change. Not voting is the same as doing nothing but sitting around, waiting for things to happen, waiting for things to be done for you. And at the risk of sounding like a broken record, the right to vote may be free right now, but it has cost some of us dearly in the past, and if we're not careful, it's going to cost dearly again in the future. If we have just one good reason to vote, it is to appreciate the sacrifice of those who gave all so that we could enjoy this right. We could enjoy this. It's not only a privilege, it's our right to vote. And so many have given all in order that we may have that right. So I want to encourage you, if you voted today, congratulations, I commend you. If you did not vote today, I challenge you to get up off your duff and get to the voting booth the next time you have a chance.
This is Marriage and Family Clinic. You're listening to us, WGPL 1350 AM. And if you need to call us on tonight, give us a call, if you will, 757-624-9475. That's 757-624-9475. If you want... If you want to testify to what we're saying, identify with it, ask a question, give a comment, let us know how we're impacting you, what we're doing for you, give us a call, 757-624-9475. Well, on last week I began to discuss what I call the five guiding principles for marriage. It's this simple. If you want your marriage to work, if you want it to be fulfilling, you want it to last a long time, if you want your marriage to actually be meaningful and, and you want to get something out of it or, or, or exploit it for all that it's worth, if you have any intention of your marriage actually accomplishing what it was designed to accomplish, simply put, you need a plan. You need a strategy. Because if you aim for nothing, that's exactly what you will hit. Nothing. And we offer these five guiding principles for marriage tonight, last week, and continuing tonight to help you form your strategy for making your marriage become all that it can. The five guiding principles for marriage that I've come up with after dealing with this subject for years and years, decades even, are all about giving you a strategy for managing and reducing the impact of conflict. Every marriage relationship, every relationship just about, will have some conflict. Unfortunately, the conflict in some marriages becomes so great and the husband and the wife are unable to overcome the conflict. They're unable to, to deal with the conflict and that's where divorce comes from. But if you go into your marriage or if you're already in your marriage and you can somehow get these principles enacted in your marriage and begin to build on these five principles, I'm guaranteeing you a strategy that will help you manage and reduce the impact of conflict in your life. What I'm saying to you is that if you consistently practice these five guiding principles for your marriage, it will train your mind and train your heart to develop a personal reactive system. Let me say that again. If you consistently practice these five guiding principles for marriage, you can train your mind, you can, you can mold and convert your heart and, and develop a personal reactive system. What is a personal reactive system? It's very similar to muscle memory. You know, when you repeat a certain movement or a certain exercise over and over and over and over again for a significant period of time, the muscles you use in that particular movement or exercise, the muscles required for that movement or exercise become attuned to that movement or exercise. And when it's time to perform that movement or exercise, your muscles have performed it so often and so much over such a long length of time that they have formed kind of an automatic reaction. And you can almost do that movement or that exercise in your sleep. That's what we call muscle memory. 
and consistently practicing the five principles for marriage, five guiding principles, will help you develop the heart and the mind reactive system that can help you handle conflict in more of a productive, uh, team-oriented way and reduce the impact of conflict. Conflict does not have to take such a heavy toll on the marriage relationship if you go in it with a strategy. I'm telling you, you can actually train your heart and train your mind to even see conflict coming and hit it off. And let me go over the five principles again with you. And then I'm going to, re we got to the third one. We got one, two, and three on last week. I need to cover two and three. Uh, four and five this week, excuse me. I need to cover four and five. But before we get to four and five, let me recap what we told you on last week. The five marriage guiding principles uh, I listed for you last week. Number one, God's kingdom and righteousness is the chief goal. In everything you do, you have to want to please God. Number two, love and grace must rule. It's not about meeting each other's standard, not about performing well enough for each other. You need love and grace. That must rule. Number three, pursuit of self-awareness and growth is imperative. You have to know yourself so that you don't impose your own values onto your spouse, so that you don't impose your own unfair expectations onto your spouse. You have to know what needs, what personal needs there are that you're trying to satisfy. You have to know yourself. The fourth principle, marriage is glorious as a result of sacrificial love, work, and commitment. And the fifth and last guiding principle for marriage, I get my needs met by serving my spouse. And last week we did get through the first three of these principles. Uh, again, strive to be right with God in everything that you do. Isn't that something? In your marriage, strive as much as you can to be right with God. Strive to please God in your marriage. Don't even strive to please your spouse. Strive, strive to please God in your marriage. Because if you please God, you're automatically going to please your spouse. And then work diligently to know yourself. Work diligently to know yourself. And, and, and this is so key. Because, you know, it, it's a shame to say that even Christians are divorcing at nearly 50% the same as non-Christians. And a good part of it is that we don't know ourselves well enough to know when we're being selfish or we're in denial about our selfishness, which by the way is the only reason we divorce. We're selfish. We are selfish. And we don't know ourselves enough to know what's motivating us, what's pushing us, what's making us tick, what, need is, what needs there are we're trying to have met. That's so critical. And we also covered last week, love and grace must rule. Love and grace must rule our lives together all day, every day. Now let me get to uh, uh, the last two of these principles before we run out of time on tonight. Uh, the fourth guiding principle for marriage is this right here. Marriage becomes glorious as a result of sacrificial love work, and commitment. Wow, what a mouthful. Marriage becomes glorious as a result of sacrificial love, work, and commitment. I'm a Christian. 
I like to believe that I am doing the best that I can anyhow. And I believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the authority of the Bible and everything that goes along with being a Christian. So I believe that the Lord will bring two people together as a result of their dedication to Him and their desire to please Him with their lives. I really do believe that the Lord will bring two people together. Now, again, as I've told you in the past, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's only one person in the world for you, but the Lord will bring two people together. The key to this point that I'm making is this right here. Even when the Lord brings two together, they still have to work hard all day, every day. They still have to labor together for the same purpose, and that is to see the marriage become what God intends for it to become. You still have to work. You can't say, I prayed, and I fasted, and I waited for X amount of years, and the Lord brought me my husband, the Lord brought me my wife. Even if the Lord blesses you that way, you're still going to have to engage in the labor that is required to make your marriage become the glorious union that God designed it to be. Through my experience, I've also found out that even when the Lord brings us together, you, you, you have to have both of you contributing 100% to the success of the marriage. you got to work and be committed to the marriage 100% all day, every day, if the marriage will be lasting and fulfilling. There is no such thing as the Lord bringing two people together, and they live happily ever after, and they didn't work to make it become what they dreamed it would become. If you desire for your marriage to be glorious and emulate God's design, you'd better learn the meaning of sacrificial love. As a matter of fact, real love always sacrifices because real love is more concerned about the needs of the other rather than its own needs. Hence the Bible says, John 3.16, that verse that everyone knows, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Real love always sacrifices because real love is more concerned about the needs of the other rather than its own needs. So I can't stress the importance enough of, of getting away from the Hollywood types of uh, falling in love that we see, though those stories there. Hollywood specializes in painting pictures of love that are unattainable, unsustainable. They're just simply unrealistic. Again, marriage is a full-time job that requires the full effort of two people. Marriage is not even a 50-50 deal. You know, I used to hear people say, you know, I'm, I'm putting in my 50 and you put in your 50. Well, if two people committing 50%, that does not make one whole. If she puts in 50 and he puts in 50, if the husband puts in 50 and the wife puts in 50, that does not, that does not make 100% or a whole. That makes a half. Because both parties need to contribute 100% to the marriage. Two people committing 50% does not make one whole. The only way to have a whole marriage is for both to commit 100% themselves to the love, the work, and the commitment that, that is required to make it great. And believe me, a lot is required. Both must be fully vested in the marriage. Knowing that love is the glue that holds you two together. 
You got to be fully invested in your marriage. You can't be saving a piece of your heart because something may happen down the road. You can't be saving part of your affection because someone else may pop up in your life. You may hook up on Facebook with some fleeing from years ago. You've got to invest your whole self in the marriage and you have to love with a pure love, a sacrificial love because that love is the glue that will hold that marriage union together. There's a piece of advice that I've shared with couples for a lot of years. And that is, it's you two against the world. It's you two against the world. Husband and wife, it's you two against the world. Oh, I hope you hear me tonight. It's not running back to mommy because husband acted up or running back to dad because wife acted up. It's not listening to your friends. It's not running out and, and doing whatever to get back at your spouse. It's you two against the world. And you need to sacrifice whatever personal agendas, whatever personal values, whatever it is about your person that's not serving the marriage well, you need to sacrifice that for the good of the marriage because that's the mandate of real, true love. Oh, I hope this is making sense tonight. Wow. So that's my fourth guiding principle for marriage. I wish I had time to deal with it a little longer. But the fourth guiding principle, marriage becomes glorious as a result of sacrificial love, work, and commitment. Listen, you're listening to us here on 1350 on your AM dial. That's WGPL. WGPL, 1350 on your AM dial. And this is Marriage and Family Clinic. Our mission here is to restore, build, and strengthen marriage and family relationships. And join us right here every Tuesday evening from 6 to 6.30 p.m. And do me a big favor. Email me and let me know you're, we're reaching you. You can email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Or if you're on Facebook, inbox me on Facebook. You can get me Bishop Carl Hodges. Find me. I've got a lot of friend requests recently. But if you send me a friend request, I need you to let me know while you're getting in touch with me. Because I don't need just a lot of friends to say I have a lot of friends. It doesn't do my self-esteem any good to have a lot of friends on Facebook who are not friends in real life. I want to know that I'm doing you some good. So again, email us at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Facebook me, Bishop Carl Hodges on Facebook. And join us here. But let me hear from you. Let me hear from you. All right? All right. A fifth and last guiding principle for marriage. I get my needs met by serving my spouse. And this principle is really uh, meaningful. It's, it's a meaningful key to managing relationships, and it's a crucial piece of the puzzle to a successful marriage. And this flows right off of, it's actually a good segue coming out of uh, sacrificial love and hardworking commitment. I get my needs met by serving my spouse. And too often we're looking for our spouses to serve us. When the truth of the matter is, we should be into serving our spouses. If you want your needs met, then meet your spouse's needs. When when you work to meet your spouse's need, <coughs> excuse me, I seem to be choking. 
When you work to meet your spouse's needs, you free your spouse up to meet your needs. If we're operating in fear, some sort of fear that won't let us go all out and serve our spouses the way that we imagine we would like to, some sort of fear is holding us up, then I'm telling you the way to loose that fear, the way to be freed from that fear is to step out there in faith. Step out there, be bold enough to work to meet your spouse's needs. Because when your spouse see that you're into his or her needs, then I'm guaranteeing you they're going to reciprocate. They're going to reciprocate and they're going to get into your needs also. On one occasion, Jesus even said, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. And what Jesus is saying to us is, is something that's also good for the marriage. If you want your needs met, you need to meet someone else's needs. And in the marriage, if you want your needs met, you need to meet your spouse's needs. The idea of service before self always gets lost because human nature demands that we be served. We want to have our needs met. It's human nature. It's, it's what drives us. We're driven by the call to have our needs met. That's what pushes us. It drives us. And that drives us more than the drive to serve. So we're driven to have our needs met more than we're ever driven to meet the needs of others. But if we put the first four principles together, it'll help us get this one principle right. Having your needs met by meeting your spouse's needs requires faith. And for the purpose of this principle, faith means the confidence that there is enough love to go around. Hmm. For the purpose of what I'm saying to you tonight, faith means the confidence that there is enough love to go around. And that confidence begins, and it comes from knowing, first of all, the God who knows you better than you know yourself. You've got to know God and God's love for you. The God knowledge that I'm referring to is a, is a result of learning to flow in His love. As we receive God's love, we are assured that we are worthy of love. If there is one message that the Bible is sending to us, it is the message that God loves each and every one of us. He doesn't love one of us more than the other. God cannot love you more based on your performance. He cannot love you less based on your performance. And God loves you as much right now as he ever will in your whole life. And when you really trust God to love you, when you are assured of God's love for you, it frees you up to love your spouse. It frees you up to serve your spouse. How and why? Because you are assured deep on the inside that all of your needs will be met. As a matter of fact, when you're resting and confident in God's love for you, you're really relieved from this, this false assumption that your mate really can meet all of your needs. 
That's a false assumption, folks. It's not going to happen. Nobody can meet all of your needs. Nobody can really love you like you truly deserve to be loved but God. But we do our best to love each other. And when we love each other with as pure love as we possibly can, we do come out with a wonderful, glorious, fulfilling, satisfying union. But I'm telling you, when you're sure that you're loved, when you are sure that you are loved, it releases you from the fear of running out of love. There is enough to go around. And then and only then can we freely love others in the manner that they need to be loved. Real faith displaces and replaces all fears. Real faith displaces and replaces all fears. And I'm guaranteeing you tonight that whatever the hindrance is in your marriage, whatever the roadblock is, whatever the wall is that you cannot seem to scale over, whatever the hurdle is that you cannot seem to jump over, take my word for it, it's rooted in fear. I would ask you tonight to search your heart, search your mind, search your soul. Ask yourself the question, what are you afraid of? You know, these guiding principles, they can really help you retrain the way you think and feel altogether. Because so much of what we get out of life is the result of how we think and how we feel. And if we were to change our thinking and feeling, then we will change what we get out of life. And I know, I, I feel deep in my soul that I'm talking to somebody right now you're disappointed, you're upset, you're, you're, you're disillusioned by what you've been getting out of life. But what you've been getting out of life is more the result of your thinking and your feeling, which leads to your talking. Those three elements are dictating more of what you're getting out of life than anything else going on in your life. And if you change the way that you think, you change the way that you feel. And if you change the way that you feel, you will change the way that you talk. And when you change the way that you talk, you start getting different things out of life. Hence, Romans the 12th chapter declares that our lives can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You know, we, we say sometimes that you're afflicted with stinking thinking. <laughs> and it's our stinking thinking that causes us to fear. It's think, stinking thinking that causes us to, to withdraw from our spouses. It's stinking thinking that causes us to avoid the conflict and not be able to handle the conflict. It's stinking thinking that won't allow us to serve our mates instead of looking for our mates to serve us. If we change our thinking, we change the fruit, the results that we see in our lives. And it will change your love. What's so difficult about love anyhow? Yes, love is difficult. Love is difficult because so many of us have a difficult time giving love. And that's not difficult to imagine. So many of us have a, time, have a difficult time loving others. But I want you to know that there's also something else true. Not only do so many of us have a difficult time loving others, but so many of us have a difficult time 
receiving love. And we have a difficult time receiving love because we fear we won't give love back, get love back. Another reason it's hard to receive love is because we can't get over the fact that real love is not about owing and deserving. Real love is about you just being loved. You're good enough right where you are. You're worthy enough right where you are. You're valuable enough right where you are. Real love is about just being loved. Not working to deserve it. Not trying to perform to get it. Real love is about just being loved. Settle down and love. You know what we should do? We've got to really practice just loving people right where they are for who they are. Some people, when things are going, uh, uh, I guarantee you there's a marriage or two out there, even when things are going well, either the husband or the wife, they'll do something to sabotage the marriage because they're not used to things going well. They're used to turmoil. They're used to upheaval. They're used to conflict. And actually turmoil, upheaval, and conflict, it makes them feel kind of steady. It stabilizes them. So when things begin to go smooth, they're not used to that because they start thinking and feeling, what did I do to deserve this? You must be plotting on me. Uh, as Major Payne said in the movie, you plotting on me. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you, you're trying to get back at me for something. This can't be real. This is too good to be true. I don't deserve it. So they'll do something to sabotage the marriage relationship so that there can be turmoil and upheaval and conflict and they'll feel more at home. They'll feel more at ease that way. But I'm telling you, love is not something that you work for. Love is something that you simply receive. So just love for the sake of loving. Just love because God is love. Yes, love does include sacrifice. Oh, my, my, my. Love does include sacrifice. But the sacrifice is so worth it. I keep telling you that marriage is a full-time job and you have to work at it all day, every day. But believe me also when I tell you, it is a labor of love. My wife and I celebrate our 35th anniversary this week. And I tell you, I'm really excited about our marriage. I'm excited about loving her. I'm excited about her loving me. I'm excited about our love continuing to grow even after 35 years. And believe me, we have had some turmoil, some upheaval, and some conflict. We've had it. But I've trained her well. No, just kidding, just kidding. Just seeing if you're listening. <laughs> no, but I, I'm truly grateful. I can't even describe to you how grateful I am in what we have. And we're continuing to get to know each other, continuing to grow in love. And it is our marriage's being, the glorious union that God designed it to be. It may take you a while, but if you hang on, and if you employ these five principles for marriage, it'll give you a strategy to get to your dream for your marriage. 
you'll get there. So I want to encourage you to remember these five principles for marriage. The foundation, a foundation that you can build on. Number one, you got to seek to please God most in everything that you do. Number two, love and grace must rule. Number three, you've got to pursue self-awareness. And you've got to pursue growth, your own personal growth. It's imperative. Number four, your marriage is glorious. It will become glorious because you have been working on sacrificial love. You've been working on your work and your commitment and dedication to it. And number five, you get your needs met when you meet your spouse's needs. Look, that's it for tonight's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. So glad you joined us. Again, do me a favor. Contact me. Email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Hit me up on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges. Just do me a favor, please. Let me know that you heard us. Let me know if we're doing you any good. If you want a subject to discuss, if you want to call in, uh, do so. But just let me hear from you. And remember, we're going to be here every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Right here at WG. GPL 1350 on your AM dial. Last but not least, you can't have peace without surrendering your life to the Prince of Peace. This is your host, Bishop Hodges. We'll see you next week. God bless. Yeah, another one bites the dust. <laughs>